This Daily 202 podcast is sponsored by Nokia. Nokia builds secure networks that keep America strong. That's why 90% of the U.S. depends on Nokia to stay connected. Learn more at nokia.com slash open to more. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, June 18th. In today's news, an Army officer's promotion is in jeopardy over what officials fear is White House retaliation for his role in the impeachment inquiry. A deal to start the baseball season appears within reach after a secret meeting in Arizona. And the former Atlanta police officer who shot Richard Brooks was charged with murder. But first, the big idea. President Trump asked Chinese President Xi Jinping to help him win re-election, telling Xi during a summit dinner last year on the sidelines of the G7 summit that increased agricultural purchases by Beijing from American farmers would aid his electoral prospects. This is one of many damning revelations by former National Security Advisor John Bolton in his new book, scheduled to be released next Tuesday. Bolton writes, quote, I would print Trump's exact words, but the government's pre-publication review process has decided otherwise. At that same meeting, Xi also defended China's construction of concentration camps, housing as many as one million Uyghur Muslims, and Trump signaled his approval. Bolton writes, quote, Trump said that Xi should go ahead with building the camps, which Trump thought was exactly the right thing to do. My colleague Josh Dossie obtained a copy of Bolton's book called The Room Where It Happened and reports on some of the other nuggets in the 592-page tome. On the Ukraine scandal that led to the president's impeachment, Bolton cites a personal conversation with Trump confirming a quid pro quo that Trump has long denied, including an August meeting last year in which Trump allegedly made the bargain explicit. Bolton writes that Trump told him he was not in favor of sending Ukraine anything until all Russia investigation material related to Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden had been turned over. In November 2018, Trump came under fire for writing an unfettered defense of Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, littered with exclamation points, after the brutal killing of Washington Post contributing columnist Jamal Khashoggi. But according to Bolton's book, the primary goal of Trump's missive was actually to distract public attention from revelations that Ivanka Trump had been using her personal Gmail account to conduct government business after Trump had spent years attacking Clinton for doing so. According to Bolton's book, Trump told his national security advisor that he decided to read the statement in person to reporters because, quote, that will take over the Ivanka thing. Bolton says Trump was always playing a personal or political angle and that this often outweighed the national interest. The book portrays the president as, quote, erratic and stunningly uninformed and lays out a long series of jarring and troubling encounters between Trump, his own top advisors and foreign leaders. Bolton writes that Trump, quote, saw conspiracies behind rocks and was always fixated on opportunities for reality TV showmanship. Now, this book is the subject of an escalating legal fight between the longtime conservative foreign policy hand and the Justice Department, which filed a lawsuit on Tuesday seeking to block its publication by alleging that it contains classified material. Trump says that any conversation he's had with anyone is classified. Bolton's attorney says the book does not contain classified material and that it underwent an arduous review process. Late last night, 
the Justice Department sought an emergency injunction from a judge to block the book's publication. This is unlikely to succeed in court. The request for electoral assistance from Xi is one of the many instances described by Bolton in which Trump seeks favors or approval from authoritarian leaders. Bolton writes that many of the same leaders were also happy to take advantage of the American president and attempt to manipulate him, often through simplistic appeals to his various obsessions and personal vanity. In a May 2019 phone call, for example, Russian President Vladimir Putin compared Venezuelan opposition leader Juan Guaido to Hillary Clinton, part of what Bolton terms a, quote, brilliant display of Soviet-style propaganda to shore up support for Venezuelan leader Nicolas Maduro. Bolton laments that Putin's claims largely persuaded Trump. In May 2018, Bolton says that Turkish President Erdogan handed Trump a memo claiming innocence for a Turkish firm under investigation by the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York for violating Iranian sanctions. Bolton writes that Trump told Erdogan he would take care of things and explained that the Southern District prosecutors were not his people but were Obama people, a problem Trump said would be fixed when they were replaced by his people. Bolton says he was so alarmed by Trump's determination to do favors for autocrats like Erdogan and Xi and Putin that he scheduled a meeting with Attorney General Bill Barr in 2019 to discuss the president's behavior. Bolton writes that Barr agreed he was also worried about the appearances created by Trump's behavior. Bolton says most of the president's top advisors privately share a dim view of him. John Kelly, who was White House chief of staff, wondered, what if we have a real crisis like 9-11 with the way he makes decisions? After Trump completed a phone call with South Korea's president ahead of that Singapore summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un in 2018, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Bolton shared their disdain for the president's handling of the conversation. Bolton says Pompeo, having listened in on the call from the Middle East, told Bolton he was, quote, having a cardiac arrest in Saudi Arabia. Bolton shared his similar disappointment with the call, describing it as a, quote, near-death experience. Bolton attributes a litany of shocking, but perhaps unsurprising, statements to the president. He also describes a summer 2019 meeting in New Jersey where Trump says journalists shouldn't just be jailed so they have to divulge their sources, but that the president also said, quote, these people should be executed. Bolton recounts numerous private conversations Trump had with other leaders that revealed the limits of his knowledge. He recalls Trump asking Kelly if Finland is part of Russia. In a meeting with then-British Prime Minister Theresa May in 2018, a British official referred to the United Kingdom as a nuclear power, and Trump replied that he didn't know that. Trump said invading Venezuela would be cool, and that the South American nation was really part of the United States. Bolton says Trump kept confusing the current and former presidents of Afghanistan, while asking Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe to help him strike a deal with Iran. Finally, Trump told Xi that Americans were clamoring for him to change constitutional rules so that he could serve more than two terms. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Army Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, who received a Purple Heart for his actions in Iraq and later served as a White House aide on European affairs, is among hundreds of officers selected to be promoted to full colonel this year. Such promotions are typically signed off on by Army and then Pentagon leaders before moving to the White House and the Senate for a confirmation vote. The list is now with a Pentagon personnel office. Multiple government officials privately voiced concern to Post reporters Shane Harris, Missy Ryan, Josh Dossie, and Greg Miller. 
that the White House could strike Vindman's name once it is conveyed, effectively sanctioning him for testimony he gave under subpoena to House lawmakers. Trump dislikes Vindman more than any other witness in the impeachment proceeding, and he was the first one fired once it ended. While the fate of an officer at Vindman's grade wouldn't usually draw the scrutiny of senior White House officials, Trump has heavily politicized the armed forces. In his role as the National Security Council's Ukraine expert, Vindman listened in on that July 25th phone call between Trump and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Trump asked the Ukrainian government to open an investigation into Joe and Hunter Biden. In February, Trump removed Vindman from his post at the NSC as retribution for his testimony. Vindman was escorted out of the White House. At the same time, Trump ordered the ouster of Vindman's twin brother, a chief ethics lawyer at the NSC who did not testify in the impeachment probe. Number two, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred met secretly in Phoenix with Tony Clark, the head of the Players Union, to revive talks about restarting the baseball season after he said earlier this week that it was possible no games will be played at all. A person familiar with the MLB's latest proposal to the Players Association, which was delivered last night, tells the Post Dave Scheinan that it calls for a 60-game regular season to begin July 19th. While no deal has been reached, there's growing confidence on both sides that one is close, potentially arriving by the end of this week. If a deal is reached in the coming days, players could report as soon as next week for a spring training 2.0 that would last about three weeks. Major League Baseball's 60-game proposal satisfied the players' demand to be paid full prorated shares of their original 2020 salaries, but union negotiators are pushing for a longer season, with the calendar still leaving room for a regular season of up to 75 games. Last week, the MLB had proposed a 72-game season. Both sides have essentially agreed on an expanded 16-team postseason, and MLB has been consistent in saying it wants the postseason contained within October, as opposed to pushing it deeper into the fall or the winter. That's because of fears that a second wave of the coronavirus could lead to its cancellation. Because of the deep bitterness that has characterized this whole negotiation, which has plunged labor relations in the sport to their lowest point since that player strike back in 1994 and 1995, it would be unwise to assume any deal is going to get done before one is actually signed. Number three. In the wee hours of this morning, the House Judiciary Committee approved an expansive policing bill that would ban chokeholds. But Democrats and Republicans have dug into their partisan corners. The Democratic bill would ban chokeholds and certain no-knock warrants, but the Republican bill does not prohibit either of those practices. Down in Atlanta, the former police officer who shot Rayshard Brooks in a Wendy's parking lot last Friday night was charged with his murder. Police in the city are calling in sick today to protest the charges. And the national reckoning continues. Quaker said it will pull the Aunt Jemima brand of syrup off shelves, acknowledging that it is based on a racial stereotype. Mars announced that it will change its Uncle Ben's rice brand, saying it's the right time to evolve. The brand's mascot is a black man modeled after Frank Brown, a waiter at a Chicago restaurant. Black men were often referred to as boy or uncle to avoid calling them Mr. during the Jim Crow era. And Conagra announced that it has begun a complete brand and packaging review of its Mrs. Buttersworth brand. Mrs. Buttersworth was modeled after the actress who played Prissy, the cheerful slave in the 1939 movie Gone with the Wind. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, June 18th. Tomorrow is Juneteenth, the oldest commemorated holiday to celebrate the end of slavery in the United States. To honor that anniversary, we will not publish tomorrow. 
we've done our level best to report on this moment and to make sense of the reckoning that has been set in motion by George Floyd's killing in police custody on Memorial Day. We hope the pause in coverage will allow you some time to join us in reflecting on the lingering legacies of slavery and the best path forward, not just for our government, but for all of us to live up to the promises of our founding documents and ideals. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you on Monday.